As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure today being with Julie Janot employee engagement expert and senior researcher of Office Vibe by GSoft. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. So Julie, one of the things that's led us together is your incredible head of partnership that's navigating, looking for resources and connections in the people leadership space. And I believe both of our organizations has identified the deep need inside the middle of companies for leaders and organizations to serve those people leaders that have the greatest impact on their organizations. And I know you've spent many years understanding the behaviors and and opportunities to lead and influence people and the gap that organizations mostly have around people leadership and engagement. So can you share with me just a little bit, Julie, what motivates you the most to do the work that you're doing? Probably just people. Ever since I've been a young kid, relationships has just always been something that's been really easy for me. And it's brought me to have a curiosity as to how those relationships actually works. So I've taken this passion and applied it to the world of work, but I'm still deeply passionate about humans, basically, and how they behave and what create creates habit and how come some people have this natural chemistry to get along while others don't. I've just always been really curious as to how that works. I have three young kids at home, so I have the pleasure of watching them interact, two of them being twins, which is really, really fun. So it's kind of like pulled out the, the science in me. And I wanted to apply that curiosity and this passion to what I do for a living, right? So part of my job is to research, not only on my subject matter of expertise, which is employee engagement at work and organizational culture and team performance, individual development and all of that, but also research actually with users, what we call user research, right? So a lot of the time that I spend at work is talking to those people leaders, middle managers, you know, first time managers, more senior managers, to understand what struggles they're going through with their team. And I just, I love helping them. I, ha- I love that we're able to create solutions, whether a product or just someone accompanying them and just navigating through this journey because that's what it is, right? It's them growing and helping their team grow. I, j- I just think it's, it's a great purpose. That's awesome. And, and share with me a little bit in the audience as we're listening because some may be very familiar with Office Vibe. Those that aren't, I encourage you to do so familiar with Office Vibe. But most will understand the space that you're in. So can you describe a little bit about the power of your product and what Office Vibe is doing to change the way leaders lead inside of workplaces? That's a great question. And I tend to answer that really in a complex matter most of the time. I'll put it in a sentence. We want to create a place for real talk, essentially. And the way we do that is twofold. 
So we have based our model on the science that's called the science of employee engagement, but that's really complex, right? That's my job. I then make that really accessible by making sure that essentially that science just becomes about understanding what motivates people at work. So our product does was built on this foundation, which is basically taking what we've known as the annual survey, measuring climate and job satisfaction and motivation and well-being. And we've made it something really fun, really easy to use, but also regular and really continuous. So when we first created the product, we embarked into an early wave. It was about 2013, 2014, into a new space that was being created in the HR tech world, which is pulse surveys. So long story short, we have a bank of 120 questions that we ask, and we have five of them a week. And those questions are connected to factors that influence employee engagement. And what we do with that is by asking those questions, we create a report that are based on what we call metrics, because we always, always try to quantify something that's really hard to quantify, yeah. human relationships and motivation. It's a science. And we present this data to not only HR and company leaders, but mostly and most importantly, people leaders, people who lead the team in the day-to-day. And we give them insights as to what's going on in their team, right? Is recognition lacking? Is there an issue with feedback inside the team? Do you have really strong relationships between peers and with the manager? And then what we do is basically based on this data and this reading that comes in, right? It's real-time data because we're always asking questions every week. We provide a space for real talk. So by asking those questions, we also provide employees with a space where they can share what's on their mind, anonymously or not. And that generates really authentic feedback. And when we ask clients what they love most about our product, it's most of what they say is related to, I get access to feedback or information I wouldn't otherwise get, Mm. mostly because there's a space for anonymous feedback. And when employees answer their survey questions, they're anonymous by default, right? So the manager doesn't know where it comes from, but it's honest because the employee trusts the product to protect their identity. And so it creates a space where the manager can then receive that anonymous feedback or non-anonymous feedback and engage into a conversation, dig in. Okay, so what's the issue? What's caused this? How do you feel? And then together they work through resolution. And then the last part we've added in most recently, a couple of years ago, was the one-on-one feature. Because there are things you can discuss, you know, as a group, you can review your engagement metrics and talk about what's going on in the team. But there are also things that are specific to the individual, right? I may be driven in intensity by different engagement metrics than you are, Mike. So we create that space where managers and employees, team members can build one-on-one agenda where they bring in topics, they talk about engagement, they review their goals together. Are there trends, Julie, as you look at over the last, you know, let's say 14, 15 months, how does that window of time differ in the data that you've been seeing and experiencing to the previous 15 months? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I was reading a study for, from the Gallup. They've just been so active in the employee engagement space for decades now. So a lot of my research is based on what they do. And they said that 2020 was the year where there was the most fluctuation in employee engagement ever. And we've all gone through this, right? With COVID and being isolated at home and a lot of us working remotely, some people losing their job, losing some loved ones as well but also dealing with adapting everything that we were used to in the office and bringing those rituals 
into our home life. As the saying goes, it's not only working from home, it's living at work. Yeah, it's living at work. It's just crazy. So on top of managing kids or parents or loved ones you have to care, to care for, everything's changed. The way we communicate, the way we interact with one another, the way we lead on projects. Think about how easy it was before to get, you know, 15 people in a room, right on a whiteboard. Now you have to have tools and sync your communication channels. Long story short, never has it fluctuated so much in the last year. Yeah, we have seen in, in our data, Julie, so we started collecting data April of 2020. And the level of burnout, exhaustion, lack of clarity, lack of connectivity went, climbed from around 45, 47% to 87.5% of all people completing the data have moved into an overwhelmed state. So what do we do about that? What do we do about that? If I'm in that space and I know that my employees are in that space and we're having disconnects and management disconnects and leadership disconnects and you know I need help and I'm dissatisfied and I don't feel like I'm a part of a team, what do organizations do with that data and how do you, how quickly do you believe they have to respond with that data in order to retain the talent? Well, I think the first part is having that data. And there are multiple ways, like pulse surveys and gathering feedback through a tool is a great way to do it. I don't think it's ha- it has to be the only tool. I think there are multiple ways where you could do that. I mentioned one-on-ones. I think that gathering that information continuously is very, very important. Because if you look at the trend, March 2020's challenges are very different than a couple months in. Challenges were much different in November, and they're different now more than a year in. So I would say continuously measure, vary the way you measure. So in-person conversation, phone conversation, you just diversify those ways, one-on-ones, group meetings. But essentially, to answer your question, I think it has to revolve around talking about it. And we have to have the courage as leaders to really name those issues, like put words on them. And it's okay to say, I'm feeling isolated. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I just name those feelings and work through them as a group, because I don't think there's anything more unhealthy than saying, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then you turn off the camera and you're crying, right? So we have to talk about it. I think that the most important things leaders can do is be vulnerable. I think it's doubly hard on them because not only do they have to manage their own life and their own well-being and you know mental sanity through this, but they have to set the conditions for their teams to be able to go through this. So it's kind of like a it's a double job. And you know, at times these people are also wives, husbands, partners, parents. So it's a whole lot of work on them. So I think they have to allow themselves to be vulnerable. And when they do, 99% of the chances of the times employees will then, it invites the others to actually be vulnerable themselves. And what that does is build trust. And when you have that bond with your team, you can accomplish a lot together. There's a component of this that we've been talking about around that transparency that as a leader, go first, right? As a leader, step into the feelings that you have. And as I always tell people, if you're feeling them, 
there is a strong likelihood that everyone else is too, right? So bring this into the conversation. And it's a way that we, the phrase that we've been using is re-energizing your team. Sharing many of these things re-energizes your team. It lets them know they're not alone. It lets them know that you too are experiencing the same emotion that they are, which then builds what? Connectivity. And that's what we all need. The isolation has disconnected so many of us and so many of those around you that if you're not having these conversations, they think that they're the only one. And to be frank, that's a scary place for anyone to be in a time like this, that they're the only one. So as I mentioned earlier, we've seen the statistic for us that we reference is 87.5% of team members report that their stress and anxiety level has increased to the point of feeling burnout, that their risk has never been higher of burnout. So it's a global problem. I cannot agree more. And when you do that, Julie, we all know that quality erodes, innovation decreases, the relationship component, there's more tension at home, at work. As you mentioned, we're working at home, you know, we're living at work. You know, these dynamics are all things that we as employers, those that are listening this morning or this today, you have an opportunity to step in here and serve your people well. And the question is, how will you step up? What will you do with the data that's coming from a great technology like Office Vibe? What will you do with that data to take the next step for yourself and your people? Julie, I'd like to come back. The the comment you mentioned around you had an analogy that talks about the bank of 120 questions to the 26 submetrics to the 10 employee engagement metrics. Can you share with our audience that visualization? Yeah, of course. I think it'll really help. Right, because it's, it's complex. It's science, right? And you have to talk about it in terms that are understandable by normal human beings, including myself. So I like to image that with the tree. So when you look at, at science and decades of studies that have tried to understand what motivates people at work, the basis is there's about always, a, regardless of how you call them, a set of factors at the root that, that drive this employee engagement, right? So we have called them the 10 engagement metrics, just because we like to quantify things a little bit, specifically that it's really hard to quantify human behaviors and all of that. So the roots of the tree is the 10 metrics. So amongst those, you, you see me coming, right? Feedback, recognition, relationship amongst peers, relationship with the manager, ambassadorship, all of that good stuff. So the, the main themes, but within a team, there's, we're going up the tree. So the branches are 26 submetrics. So each of our 10 metrics will have two or three sub-factors, let's say. So let me break it down for you. If you take a simple example, recognition. What's important around recognition is receiving it frequently and that it's of high quality. So it's meaningful, it value, it's valuable, it comes from a person you respect or you look up to, right? So there are different factors. So the submetrics of the recognition metric would be recognition quality and recognition frequency. And then going up further in the tree, the 120 questions are the questions. So within a submetrics, what kind of questions can we ask to actually measure it properly? So like I said, we're using the same example for recognition. 
is the recognition you receive meaningful to you? Does it come on a continuous and regular basis? Does it come from the person you want for it to come from? Does it come regularly enough for you to feel that it's something valuable and important? So yeah, so the tree. So the roots, branches, and the questions are the leaves. Branches are the submetrics. The roots are the engagement metrics. Perfect. You got it. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And yeah, again, I encourage everyone that's listening to think about this. How are you using the data? What are you asking? Are you engaging? You know, people are saying, what can I do for my people? One of the things that you can do for your people is ask the right questions so that you can gather the right information that then informs how you respond, how you respond. When we opened up the episode, we talked about people managers and the power that is held within what our organization considers the middle of the organization as the heartbeat, right? So leaders set vision and strategy. Some have the gifted ability to connect said vision and strategy with the heartbeat of their organization so that it cascades down and throughout. But what have you found in terms of why to focus on the people managers and not the C-suite? Hmm. It's a great point. So we always try to keep our data and our product relevant for all of the layers within the organization. Because the reality is, as you mentioned it, everyone has a role to play in this, right? Yep. But again, I'll quote Gallup. Their study has shown, they have a great book. It's called It's the Manager. And it's super easy to read. If you haven't, please go through that. I found it to be an amazing resource. But long story short, they have this stat that says that 70% in the variance of employee engagement can be attributed to the relationship with the manager. Why? Because they're the ones living the day-to-day employee experience with their team members, right? And often in the eyes of their team members, they represent the organization, right? They're the ones that share the information, that trickle down the goals, that set the objectives. All of that has a huge impact on the employee's day-to-day. When you have a problem, who do you turn to? When you need feedback, who do you turn to? Who does your performance evaluation? Your manager, right? They have so many decisions that have a huge impact on the team, right? They're the ones that also grow you. They're in charge of your personal growth along with the employee. I believe it's a shared responsibility, but basically they represent the organization in the eyes of the employee. And when that relationship is not based on the submetrics of that category, which would be communication, trust, and collaboration, when one of those or all of those are deficient, that relationship hurts. And how many of us have left a boss and not the job, right? It has such a huge impact. Yeah. And as you're mentioning this, and again, with those listening that are in a role of influence, that's a privilege for you to be in that position. And your people need you to show up. Julie, we say often, if you want to be a talent magnet, you need to be an ambassador for your people first. Because how you get them to be an ambassador for you is showing them that they're in an environment where they feel valued, trusted, heard, understood, and safe. You know, building, you mentioned that that whole safe Building a safe environment for employees unlocks their greatest good, unlocks their fullest potential, 
I've sat with organizations, Julie, where I've had leaders say, Mike, this is the most trusted organization I've ever been in. And I know that your team has been a part of putting like the the tapestry together here with building the team, with helping engage the people and leveraging tools and technology, but bringing the human factor out for implementation and doing something with the data, which a lot of organizations struggle with. And there's an opportunity of building psychologically safe environments where employees feel like, you know what, I'm actually allowed to take risk here. I'm actually allowed to put myself out there and not be afraid of negative ramifications. And in a remote world, not everyone listening to this has a remote workforce, but those that do, it's even harder. So you need to be even more intentional with your efforts. And that psychological safety, if I can add, is key to high-performing team. Google did a study on this years ago, Project Aristotle, and they studied high-performing teams. And the number one factor was psychological safety. And I have this stat here from our data that shows that that's the thing with stats. You can see them both ways. 24% of employees feel like their manager is not aware of their day-to-day reality and their pains. You can use it on the flip side. At least 75% of them feel that their managers do, which is really good. And it sets hope for the future. But when they use Office Vibe, there's a correlating stat that's really interesting. Whether it's Office Vibe or any other tool around the space of engagement, 92% of our users are happy with the level of transparency coming from their manager. That speaks volumes just by the fact of using a tool to have that safe space and that conversation and to really understand what drives our people at work, right? They feel like they matter and you care. And if you actually do something with the data, you're golden because you're putting your money where your mouth is, which is you're taking action on what you're saying you're measuring. I love that 92% stat. So for those of us listening to this, that stat means those organizations are showing their employees they care by asking the questions, by allowing anonymous feedback, by allowing two-way conversations. So Julie, we share often that the world of work has gotten so good at telling, right? We've built internal communication teams. We tell, we need to tell, tell, tell. We're not asking in a manner that allows response. And we talk a lot about active listening, where it's more important that I understand how you, Julie, feel how you're experiencing work, your life, what's going on in your world, and that you know I'm listening. Because all of a sudden you go, wow, I'm in an environment, back to psychologically safe, that I can share these things and it's not going to harm me. It's actually going to help me. So for those listening, if you're not using a tech platform, you should evaluate office5.com and look at the options. Look at the tools. There's plenty out there. I know we are also experiencing, Julie, some of the, the data that the one of the data points that we use a lot, LinkedIn did a uh, employee survey around engagement and retention. And 94% of the respondents stated that if their organization invested more in them, they would be more likely to stay. So hence, if you're using the talentmagnet.com platform, your employees are 94% more likely to stay because you're taking an active 
approach to their development and bringing out their greatest good versus a reactive. So with this, you've got a tech stack that you could add into your organization with office5.com and talentmagnet.com that make a powerful, powerful partnership of getting the right information, listening, hearing, asking all of the right questions, and then also implementing said information and investing in your talent. It's a great combo. I want to bounce back on what you said about we've gotten so good at telling. My son's teacher said something the other day that really resonated and he brought it back home. And he said, my teacher said, you can't be listening when you're talking. And I found that to be so powerful and so telling. It's like, God gave you two ears and one mouth, Yeah, right? There's a proportion here. You should be listening twice as more as you're talking. And when organizations do, it makes a complete difference, right? And tools are just, I mean, they're tools. To me, they're accelerators. They're drivers of this change, but it has to come from within. And when there's a genuine reason to use technology like ours, employees feel it. They know, right? They know what's genuine and what's not. So if your true intention is to really care for your people and you're going to use this product in the right way, it's going to make a huge difference. So one of the things that we've shared, and I'm going to get your feedback on here and see if there's anything you would add. So we've been talking about four keys of leading courageously. And those four components for us have been number one, being more empathetic and seeking to understand what it's like to walk in your shoes or my shoes from the other person's viewpoint. You mentioned being vulnerable. We have been calling that leading by example, right? That's setting the tone of people feed off of our positivity or negativity. Being transparent is a key component of leading courageously in an environment that we're all in and also being both present-minded and future-minded at the same time. Not getting stuck where you are and not focusing only on the future, but recognizing both components. Are there any other components that you would add what it's like to lead courageously in today's environment? I could not agree more. And what you're saying really makes me think of uh, Dr. Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know her and haven't read her books, Dare to Lead, and all of her studies on courage and vulnerabilities, vulnerability, sorry, just highlight and encapsulate what you've mentioned and those four important traits. I would say that the most important one is empathy. I think, you know, in many surveys, it's been shown that it's the skill an ability that employees value most in their manager. The one that that speaks most to me is being present-minded and future-minded. I think it's it's probably one of the hardest things because you have to, to find that balance. You have to be there in the moment and manage what you have, but also think about the future. And it relates really well to one of the engagement metrics, which is personal growth, right? And that's a shared accountability between the employee expressing their needs and, you know, going out of their way to find their challenges on their own, but also having that courage to voice them to their manager. And in turn, that manager needs to be setting those conditions for that to happen, right? And grooming their talent and developing their skills and coaching them and giving them the feedback they need to grow. I mean, this is perfect. Empathy, leading by example, transparency, present and future-minded. I love it. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. 
And I'm going to ask one last question. Is there anything additional you would love to leave with our listeners as we depart today? You know what? I think I'd come back to what my son's teacher said. You can't be listening when you're talking. And I think it's a mistake that a lot of young leaders will do, not because they're ill-intended, just because they don't know what else to do. And it's silence is probably the worst enemy of most people. They don't like it. But silence is such a powerful tool. And setting that space and just this five seconds where no one says anything, Mm -hmm. just listening, watching what's going on, especially in this new world of remote where we're seeing each other and building relationships, meeting people for the first time remotely. It's more important than ever to just listen and listen with your ears, listen with your eyes, just watch what's going on in the room and let your people talk more than you talk. That's great. Well, again, thank you for all that you do at Office Vibe. Thank you for all that you do in this world of employee engagement and building creative and more transparent cultures in the world around us. So to our listeners, thank you for being with us this week. We look forward to the next conversation. And Julie and I both invite you to provide us feedback, ask us additional questions, subscribe to our blogs, engage with our content, and take a next step today to become a talent magnet. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.